I might extend a very warm welcome to everyone this evening, and a special welcome to you if you're uh, watching online. I hope you'll feel uh, one with us, and I hope you'll feel the Spirit's present as we, uh, as we meet together for worship. Uh, before we start, I've just got a few notices for you. Um, can I draw your attention to the Harvest Family Service next Sunday morning, which starts at the earlier time of 10.30. Um, please invite and encourage as many of your friends and family to come along uh, to join us for that. Um, as John Hitchcock said this morning, it'd be really helpful if the men who intend on going to the Friendship and Evangelism event on the 5th of October could email James Russell as soon as possible so he has an idea of numbers. Uh, he's also said free, feel free to message him if that's easier for you. Um, finally, after the service this evening, there'll be tea and coffee to enjoy, so please hang around for that. Well, before we start our worship, shall we commit our time to God in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you this evening. And Lord, we pray that we might come with a real sense of joy and thanksgiving. Uh, Lord, we, <clears throat> we, we get to do this every week and we feel uh, perhaps this is something that we take for granted. But we, we pray tonight, Lord, that we'll come with a really thankful heart, that we can meet together, that we can serve you and we can praise you as you deserve. We pray, Lord, that your spirit might be uh, with us each as we as we study your word, as we sing your praises, as we pray and read. Lord, we commit every aspect of our service into your hand, and we pray that it might be uh, a, a great way for us to start the week. We thank you for the word this morning and the, the helpful way that it was put, and we pray, Lord, that the, these things we might be able to take into a new week, and uh, that they might help us keep our eyes upon Jesus. So, Lord, we commit this time to you now. We pray for your presence and that our hearts might be softened and opened and that we feel your presence to be with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight, uh, John is going to um, preach on um, zeal for what, continuing on from last week. And uh, with that in mind, we're going to start with our first song, which is, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Let us stand and sing.
Well, we have two readings tonight, and the first can be found in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read the first 13 verses. Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Well, we'll have that expounded to us a bit later on. And before we do, we're going to sing again. And we're going to sing, More Holiness Give Me. I'll stand and sing.
Before we have our second reading, should we turn our hearts in prayer to God? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time now as we come together. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to arrange an appointment to come and pray, but we thank you so much that the throne of grace is open all night and all day. And Lord, sometimes we feel like our prayers are perhaps a little bit insignificant to bring to you, but we thank you that you encourage us to come to you and that we can come boldly, knowing that you care about us. And Lord, as we as we pray tonight, it's, uh, we've just we've we've just sung a, 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 a wonderful hymn, Lord, and, um, and and we would have more of all those things that we've just uh, sung of. And Lord, we want more of Jesus in our life, that He would increase and that we would decrease. We pray, Lord, that you will fill our hearts, that you will overflow our hearts with love for Jesus. That each and every day, Lord, we pray that we will be being refined and made holy and uh, being made more like our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that, Lord, that is in your mercy, that you do refine us. And, Lord, while we don't always like the refining process, Lord, we know it's good for us. Your word is very clear on that. And we can be encouraged by it. And we pray, Lord, that um, day to day, that as we read more of your word, that as we get to know you better, that we will be moulded and shaped. That, Lord, you will use us in the way that uh, will bring you most glory. We pray, Lord, that we will have a a greater hatred towards sin and a greater love for our Saviour. We thank you, Lord, that even even though you are so almighty and powerful, yet, Lord, you care about little people like us and the little problems that we have. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that, um, that, that you are so merciful and that you have made it possible for us to pray, for have our prayers heard and answered uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope that, they, that our resurrected Christ brings to us. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we can see that, uh, that, that, um, that death has been defeated and uh, that sin has been, is no longer reigning. But we thank you that you have had, you have power over all these things. Lord, you have power over all of our hearts. And we pray that you soften us and cleanse us. And Lord, as we meet together, we pray tonight that um, our eyes and hearts will be opened just a little bit more. And that, Lord, we'll, we'll see some of the wonders in your word. That, Lord, we'll be convicted by the things that we hear. Lord, you know that not a day goes by without us um, sinning and falling to, or, or falling to some temptation. But we thank you that you love us despite that. And that, Lord, as, uh, as, as James quoted this morning, as far as you've removed our sin, as far as the east is from the west. And, Lord, it just seems like such an, it is such an amazing thing to know that you will not hold that sin against us. And I pray then, Lord, that we will have um, unfaltering faith in you. I pray, Lord, that when times get tough and it's hard to be faithful and uh, things turn our heads, that, Lord, you will bring us uh, back onto the, uh, the narrow path that leads to eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for the hope and the joy that, um, that our salvation brings. And, Lord, we get to look forward some, to something so much better than this earth. And even on a really beautiful evening like it is tonight, we thank you, Lord, that this is going to be nothing in comparison uh, to the wonders that we will see um, when the day of our death comes and, we, and we're with you in paradise. Our Lord... May we live more like that. May we live um, and deal with the the things in our lives in the light of eternity. May we realise that, Lord, this isn't our home. And we're all guilty, Lord, of of making this world our home. 
And um, Lord, we cling to certain things. We strive for certain things that are ultimately um, going to be burned up. But Lord, we pray that we will be storing up um, treasures in heaven. And uh, may that be where our hope is. Lord, we thank you for all the um, ministers of this church. We thank you for the youth and the children's work this morning. We thank you, Lord, that um, that that's being able to go ahead. That, and Lord, that there's interest, that there are um, kids coming along. It's so great to uh, to see so many um, children coming along and, and having the word of God explained to them. And we pray, Lord, for energy and enthusiasm for all those that lead and uh, week to week and have to come up with new ideas and um, but Lord, we pray that we will have a, a we will have a zeal for that, and that Lord, we will have a um, a passion for uh, for your uh, word and and having it spread. Lord, we thank you um, that there are events coming up for us to benefit from. We pray for the bold conference on Saturday, and we especially pray for Maz and Hannah as they prepare for that and lead seminars, and for all the ladies that go along. Lord, we pray that it might be a time of real um, blessing and refreshing, and uh, may it be a special time and and helpful for them in their Christian lives. And Lord, with the men's event coming up as well in, in 10 days, uh, Lord, we look forward to that and we thank you for that opportunity. We pray that it might be a time of, of learning and understanding and, and being better equipped to, uh, to evangelize and speak with friends and family. Lord, we thank you for all the opportunities that we have and uh, with many other uh, ministries as well, Lord. We think of First Steps and First Tuesdays and, and um, Lord, we also remember those who do one-on-one Bible studies and um, we pray, Lord, that we'll be able to um, keep each other sharp. We pray, Lord, for an enthusiasm for your word, a real love and a passion for it. And, uh, and we pray, Lord, we might also have a passion for lost souls, that, Lord, we might have a real concern to see those that are around us and Lord, we all have neighbours, friends, colleagues that um, that aren't believing people. And we pray, Lord, that you will call them into your family. And that, Lord, you would use us um, to point them in the right direction. May our lives be a, a living testimony of your grace. So, Lord, we thank you for, um, for all of the blessings that you give us. Lord, we live in a very um, comfortable part of the world. And, um, Lord, we have many blessings, many of which we take for granted. Um, but we pray that we will... Be willing to share and uh, to um, bless others with the things that we have. And Lord, we've seen over the weekend the the mad rush for for fuel and it makes us realise, Lord, how dependent we are upon your goodness, even for what we consider to be the smallest things. And it highlights, Lord, how we have taken so many things for granted. But yet, Lord, man tries to take matters into his own hand and we, we commit the, the chaos that we are we, we feel like we're living in at the moment with um, in so many areas, Lord. We commit it all into your hand and we pray that all these things might be a, a way of teaching us and teaching, um, uh, teaching uh, mankind the greatness of the Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will intervene in these matters, that, Lord, you will... Um, help as well those that are in, in schools at the moment. We hear so much COVID going around and all the problems that that causes the, the teaching staff. And we pray for all those who are in teaching, the head teachers and the, the TAs and the teachers, Lord. We, we commit them all to you and ask that you'll give them an extra amount of energy for this coming week with all that they've got to deal with. And um, Lord, may all these things be working for our good and, uh, and, and bring us closer to you. So Lord, we, we commit this time to you now and as your word is open uh, lord we pray that we'll be refreshed by it and equipped by it and that lord you will have the glory and the honor we commit all these things into your hand now and ask that you will uh, that you will uh, bless us now we ask in jesus name amen
John's got our second reading. So the second reading is in the Gospel of John and chapter 2. Uh, one episode of the Lord Jesus Christ in relation to our theme of zeal this evening. Uh, just a few verses. I'm going to read from verse 13 to 17. Perhaps an unusual account when we think of Jesus and his character, as you'll see, but linked in with what we're looking at tonight. John 2, verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Well, that's one of the passages we'll come to later on. Um, We're picking up the theme of zeal again uh, at the start of the message after the hymn I'm wanting us to remember some of the things from last week so have that going around your mind and I'm hoping that uh, a good number of people just voice out something to do with last week uh, just to refresh it in our minds before we move on to the theme this coming week but before then we have our next song Um, we've been reminded on Thursday this morning of the advance of the gospel around. It ties in as well with our theme this evening. And so our third hymn is, We have heard a joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the message all around, Jesus saves. Shall we stand to sing this song?
sing nice and loud and encourage one another in some of these truths and facts. So we move on to our second evening on zeal. They are a pair, so I am wanting uh, what was said last week, those who are here, to sort of be mixed in in your minds with this week as a pair. So just to start us off, I'd be grateful if a few people could mention phrases or points or, or words from last week that maybe have stayed on their mind and it'll just help others remember uh, what we covered last week which will lead us in nicely to next week. So, some phrases or points that have stayed in your mind. To be stoked. To be stoked, thank you, a phrase. Mothers, sorry, all in and sold out on that website. Thank you. Thank you. Zeal comes from the rest. The nap giving energy for the service. Yeah. Good to have a couple more. You can look at your notes if you've got them. What are you passionate about? Yeah, what are you passionate about? I've thought through a number of things which maybe we are passionate about and makes us think, am I passionate about God and the gospel? That's one more thing. Or a reference or a verse or something that stayed in your mind. The main verse, even. Thank you. Waking up to, yeah, waking up to lukewarmness, and the title verse was "Be zealous and repent." Well, I guess it's been useful for us racking our brains whether we've voiced uh, what we've remembered or not. And for those who weren't here, it gives you a little reminder, and I'd like to give us all a fuller reminder. So here are the two slides that we ended up with. 
scene settings and challenge, be zealous and repent, the link with the morning, the phrase stoked is quite a good summary of what zeal is about, what are you passionate about, some allowances, difference of temperament, age, battle weariness, could say mental state of mind, misplaced zeal, can easy be zeal about the wrong things, Lots of cases in that in the Bible. You might think of Islamic extremists. You might be frightened of the word seal. Can be misplaced. Good to be zealous. And then in the second half, we moved on to things that will help us uh, to be zealous. God is zealous. Christ died for us to be zealous. Waking up to our lukewarmness. Jesus' invitation to come and help in that Revelation 3 account. And the good seal of others. So, keep that in your mind, see them as a pair as we come on to this evening. And as we come on to this evening, I want to again draw on a range of Bible verses. Um, So, have your Bibles open or your Bible app open so that you can see where I'm drawing it from. Um, But I'm going to start off in Romans 12. I want us to give us a verse at the start, and it's verse uh, 11. Romans 12:11 particularly fine that font I hope you can see that fine font but uh, Romans 12 and verse 11 we have a triplet here and this is what it says do not be slothful in zeal be fervent in spirit serve the lord or serving the lord Do not be slothful in zeal. Don't be lazy or idle in zeal. We could say, don't be dragging your feet in zeal. You know sometimes when you're going for a walk, there's a group of you, and one of the people is a little bit lazy, short of energy, not particularly for health reasons, they're just a bit lazy, and they're dragging their feet behind. You say, come on, keep up with us. And saying, don't be like that with your zeal. Behind, lagging, dragging your feet. Be up to it with zeal carries on. Fervent in spirit. That means sort of boiling in spirit. Really be energetic, be hot in your attitude. That's what zeal is about. So if I can ask you, what is your spiritual temperature? I had an unusual experience this week. I was glad to start to be able to go into some of the um, residential homes again to, to, to visit some of our friends of the congregation. I went to Heatherview to see Hetty and uh, different rigmarole and tests, as you know, these days, not surprising. But I went into the, the porch and I had to stand there while my temperature was taken, not from a thermometer, but by some form of camera on, on, the, uh, on the wall. And I had a place where I was to stand and, and the doors had to shut either side of me so that presumably it was a sort of closed system with no breeze. Camera pointing at me and uh, that's about a metre away, told me my temperature. 36.2. It's a bit puzzled. I thought I was supposed to be in the 37s, but uh, I wrote down 36.2 on the form and they let me in, so they obviously weren't worried. But what if we had a little system like that and it was to take your spiritual temperature? How warm are you to the Lord and in spiritual things? What sort of temperature would you, your reading be? Would it be cold, lukewarm? Average, hot, boiling, fervent in spirit. 
um, the Baptist preacher Spurgeon uh, interviewed someone for a job, and this person was a modest man, and he said, well, I have to be um, honest with you, I, I won't set the world on fire. And apparently Spurgeon said, well, I'm not interested on you setting the world on fire, but uh, if I throw you in the Thames, would it sizzle? In other words, are you warm and passionate yourself? Never mind your limited gifts. What's your spiritual temperature? Is there any sizzle about you? We shan't go throwing anyone in the Thames, but you know the picture. This triplet. Don't be lagging in zeal, um, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It leads to action. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit in all this. We were reminded of that forcibly this morning. It's true this evening. We need the Spirit to stir us into spiritual warmth. And while we're in Romans 12, before we head off, just want you to notice it's especially uh, something relevant, particularly something relevant for leadership. 12 verse 8. Going through different gifts and how we should be with those gifts and responsibilities. And it says at the end, the one who leads with zeal. The one who leads with zeal. Now, we saw last week that uh, leaders can be prone to burnout, referred to a book, Zeal Without Burnout. The zeal needs to be sustainable. It needs to realise our humanity, uh, our our limitations. We need to hear the advice of Jethro to Moses to make sure that we don't wear ourselves out by being excessive in what we do. It wants to be grace-filled, but nevertheless, despite all that, leaders, we should be zealous. That's the way in which we should approach leadership. We should be diligent. We should be enthusiastic. And perhaps you have a leadership role. Maybe in the life of the church. Maybe in some other capacity. Well, it is fitting that you approach your leadership role with zeal. And it's sad if there's no zeal about the things that you're responsible for. Well, we move on then to thinking this week... Uh, more particularly about what the zeal is for. What the zeal is for. What is the directions of the zeal? There was too much to include last week. Uh, It comes into some of the same references. I wanted to to go through that this week. In which directions does our zeal go? Think of it like this. Hence the picture. Think of a volcano. I've been in the news, Canary Islands, La Palma, volcano coming up, all that heat and that energy coming out of the earth, and uh, uh, it then goes down channels. You have lava flows, you have one or two lava flows down there where the, the great energy and heat is directed. What are some of the main lava flows of our zeal? What direction should it go in? Well, I've been looking at what the Bible teaches, not confining myself only to the word beginning with Z, um, but trying to think of other words which mean similar things and which reflect the clear priorities of the New Testament. And it seemed to me that there were, well, at least these, there were five areas which it is right and good for our zeal to be directed in. And they all begin with G. So you've got a a 5G sermon uh, this evening. A 5G sermon. 
And this is the first one. Zeal for God. Zeal for God. Uh, This is at the heart of things. It's almost as though this is the main lava flow off which the other lava flows come. Jehu says in the Old Testament, come and see my zeal for the Lord. He carries it out in a particular way at that particular time, but he has zeal for the Lord. I think you especially see this in the account that we read there, that second of the accounts, with Jesus in John chapter 2, the temple clearing episode. So Jesus is disturbed by the the money-making and the greed and the swindling and the stealing that's going on in the temple. And he turns over the, the tables and the comment that's made about him is this in John 2 and verse 17. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus Zeal for your house will consume me. That's the way they understood how Jesus was reacting on that occasion. Well, what is zeal for God's house? What is zeal for the temple? It wasn't especially for the bricks and the stones. The the temple was the place of God's honour. It was the place of God's presence. So Jesus was zealous for God and his honour and his presence. Now we are not Jesus, there is something unique, the way Jesus was so zealous, the way it consumed him, the way it took him to his death. But surely there is a pattern here for us as his followers. Followers of Jesus too should be zealous for God. There should be something consuming in zeal in us for God and his honour. I think it's probably one of the most challenging, perhaps the most challenging of the five. Uh, Would you say that you're zealous for God? Uh, That's a good question to think about. Are you consumed to any degree for his honour as your temperature hot for God and his honour. Paul, when he went to Athens and saw all the idolatry, his spirit was stirred. He just knew it wasn't right and he was jealous really for the honour of God and sad at their attitude. Grieved when God is dishonoured. Psalm 119 says, My zeal consumes me because my my foes forget your words. I think it says elsewhere, Rivers of water fill my eyes because people do not regard your commands. Passion for God's honour? A zeal for God. Shown, really, in a thirst as well for God himself and his presence and his blessing and his assistance and his fellowship. So we sang at the start, as the deer pants for the water. So you have here the psalmist 
longing for God. He has a, a zeal for God. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. I love the way it's expressed in Psalm 63 as well. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Book called The Pursuit of God, great book by A.W. Tozer. Pursuit of God, is there a zeal for God in your heart? This is pretty foundational. You may have heard of the evangelical writer J.I. Packer, wrote Knowing God. He died about a year ago or so. And he said this about Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a, a famous preacher, Welsh preacher of the last century. He said this of him, that he never knew anyone who had more of God about him. He never knew anyone who had more of God about him. That's a, it's right, isn't it? as ill for God should be in the heart of the followers of Christ. As ill for godliness. As ill for godliness. Godliness is, is having God at the centre of your life. Godliness is being like God, really. It's being like God in the ways that we can. In some ways we can't be like God, but it's being like God in the ways we can be and should be. I'm hoping to resume 2 Corinthians in the evening soon. We we sort of left it on the wayside for the summer and then I've come back and preaching on zeal, but... um, I was enjoying being in 2 Corinthians. I'm hoping we're going to get back to 2 Corinthians, perhaps next Sunday evening. You remember the people in 2 Corinthians been tempted away by the glamour teachers, come to their senses, and uh, what was part of the, 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 the response and the new attitude in those people at Corinth? 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 11 is one verse that points us. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment, what desire for things to be justly dealt with. You see, there was, they come alive again. And there was concern and there was passion and they they were stoked up and they were stoked up for godliness and for righteousness and for purity. It comes out in one of the Beatitudes, you know, the Beatitudes told by Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So maybe you're hungry now. You had a reasonably big, big, big meal, so you, you've left tea to be supper after the service. Your stomach's starting to know you're hungry. You're hungry. You know what it's like to thirst? Perhaps you went for a long walk this week. It was quite warm. Didn't take a bottle. You were pretty thirsty at the end. Or, or you did some sporting exertion or a long run and you, you were thirsty at the end. Hunger, thirst, strong desires. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They want to be righteous with me through the gospel, but they want their lives to be righteous. 
They want to be like God. They're unhappy with ways in which they're unrighteous. There's a zeal for godliness. Peter uses the word godliness in 2 Peter and chapter 1, verse 5. This is how it starts. For this very reason, make every effort, see, desire, purpose, zeal, to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. A whole cluster of fruits there. Make every effort. Be passionate. Christian, be passionate. Be zealous for righteousness and godliness. Hebrews tells us, pursue holiness. Pursue peace with all men and holiness. So we sang, more holiness give me, more strivings within. Uh, would you say that's in your targets, if you like? Uh, maybe you pursue profit at work, you're in business, you pursue sales, you pursue profit. Maybe you pursue a good grades at school, at college, you're wanting to do well. Maybe you pursue popularity, you pursue a nice home, you pursue to get better at the sport, you're exercising, you're training, you're improving. Is there a zeal for godliness as well? Could you pray along with that? That's, is it the second hymn? Are your prayers a little bit like that sometimes? It's the outflow of God's love for us. Christ died for us, it says 2 Corinthians 5, that those who died should live for him. The love of Christ compels us. Now that's a good zeal, isn't it? To be zealous, hot, fervent, for godliness. Has that got a bit lukewarm? A zeal for God's people. Well, you, you say, aren't all people God's people? Well, in some senses, that they are. We're all created. We will receive good gifts from God. We all uh, come under his law. Uh, we all have to give account to him. Um, we experience his general care for all, so there's that sense. But the Bible uses it uh, in, a, in a special sense. It makes clear that there is a special people who are God's people. The elect is a phrase sometimes used. It came out in Titus 2 and verse 14. We'll come back to this because there's another G in it. But it says, who gave himself of Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. And God's special people are, is the church. Church isn't building, is it? The church is people. They're God's people, the called out ones, the ones he has saved. And so we should have a special zeal for God's people. This follows on from the pattern of Christ, because when Jesus is so taken up with the house, zeal for your house has consumed me, well, one of the things, one of the main things in the New Testament that the temple points to is the church. So you could say, zeal for the church has consumed me. 
Or could you say that of yourself? Zeal for the church, zeal for God's people. I read some challenging words this week um, addressed to church leaders. I got to Acts 20 and you get to verse 28 and it says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Careful attention for the health of the flock. Well, you see it in the Apostle Paul, don't you? In his heartbeat for believers. His concern for the strength and the welfare of the churches. Ah, let me just show you 1 Thessalonians and 2, just to give you a little a little taster, 1 Thessalonians 2, and you can see Paul's zeal for how believers are doing. Verse 17 But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire, soaked, passionate, zealous, to see your face again, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Comes on. In chapter 3, verse 9, after he's heard Timothy's report, and he says this, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see your face, see you face to face, and supply what is lacking in your faith. So, it is right that we should be zealous for the church for God's people and if we are zealous for the church we care how well Forest Fold is doing we want to be thriving and growing and loving and holy we want other churches around to be doing well and well taught and we feel for them in their difficulties. We're zealous for God's people. And we plan our priorities and our week mindful of the importance of the church and worshipping together. It's a significant part of our outlook and pattern. It's on our minds that uh, Julie is not doing so well spiritually and that we haven't seen Frank for ages. It makes us very glad that we're able to help make the facilities here where the church meets good and suitable, supportive to what happens. Zeal for God's people. Zeal for the church. One of the lava flows of a good New Testament zeal. Zeal for God. Zeal for godliness. Zeal for God's people. You've probably got the last two. We'll just do one at a time. Zeal for good works. Zeal for good works. I guess you'd guess this already. And it's plain from that verse, Titus 2 and verse 14. 
Jesus died, gave himself to purify himself, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Have it very plain there, don't you? Zealous for good works. Been rescued, Christ had given himself for them to be zealous for good works. God's grace had come, that's what this passage is about, so they could then be looking to serve in good works. You get the same in Ephesians 2, God, by grace you have been saved, it's not of works, but then in response we are, let me give you the quote properly, Ephesians 2 and verse 10, Following on from the wonderful grace of God. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's right for there to be heat and energy and passion and concern for good works. It's very easy for us, isn't it, to be inwardly looking selfish, uh, but God's grace in our lives makes us outward-looking and unselfish. And in what sort of ways will be zealous for good works? Well, don't overlook everyday good works in your, your normal calling. Don't just think of the exceptional things. So for some of you, take your your work, your literal work. You do it partly to be paid. You need to earn and live. Maybe you have to support a family. So you do your work. But isn't it also a useful thing that you do in your work? Does it provide a service for others? Nurses, obviously, teachers, very obviously. But, but in what you do, the customers, or your support service, what you contribute towards, what you ensure, at the end of the day, there's good things if you follow it through. Can't you be, can you be zealous in that? Colossians 3, verse 23, said to servants with their everyday things, whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it with the soul, do it zealously. Whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord. We hear the phrase, thank God it's Friday, used a bit glibly. But maybe you do thank God it's Friday, it's the end of the week. Hopefully you thank God it's Sunday, special day, Lord's Day, great day for Christians. Uh, I've read a book, maybe you've come across the book, Thank God it's Monday. You come across that book, Thank God it's Monday. It's written by Mark Green. He's actually the speaker at the Sussex Gospel Partnership Conference in November on a related theme. He's written another book called Fruitfulness in the Front Line. His concern is for for Christian believers to see their everyday calling as an opportunity to serve God. So thank God it's Monday. It's an opportunity to be zealous for good works in your everyday calling. Don't just leave it to the special thing on a Friday night. Includes your work. Includes family. 
includes family. Don't kick that out to touch. 1 Timothy 5 is talking about the, the widows and reflecting on the lives of some of the widows and talking of their good works. And it, it says this, end of verse 9, uh, the wife of one, she should be the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of saints, has cared for the afflicted and has devoted herself to every good work. Let your zeal flow out into your daily, every day, pressurised responsibilities. Serve the Lord in them tomorrow. But it will also be directed into the community. That was obvious at Crete. Titus was on Crete. The general culture wasn't good. The Christians should be different. They should be zealous for good works. He says in Titus 2, we read that verse, but see how that flows out in chapter 3. Verse 1, remind them to be submissive to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Jump to verse 8. The saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves, devote, you see, be zealous for good works. Verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So it may be the unpaid looking out for neighbours. It may be you volunteer for a, a local charity. It may be that you just love to help in First Steps or First Tuesday in the way it ministers and serves people. Zealous for good works. A good channel for zeal. Lastly, perhaps you're there with this one. Zeal for the gospel. Zeal for the gospel. We look to meet needs and that works out in good works. But of course we remember that the deepest need and the eternal need is for people to have the gospel, to have their spiritual eternal need met. The good news of Jesus Christ has transformed our life if we've been saved. If you're not a Christian, you need the gospel in your life. You need to be saved. You need to hear of the cross. You need to hear of Jesus. You need to receive by faith the Son of God who died for sinners. You need that. And as a church, that's the message we want to get out. We come under the umbrella of the Great Commission to go into all the world and take the gospel. And Paul, in his letter to the Romans, demonstrates a tremendous zeal for, for the gospel, for getting this message out. He's eager to preach it, 1 verse 15. So I'm eager, zealous, strong, concerned, passionate, to preach the gospel to you who are 
in row. It's his heart burden and prayer, chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. It's his ambition, chapter 15 and verse 19. By the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way round to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. I've struck by, I think I've got it here. Yeah, UCCF annual report. Headline. We are passionate about students reaching students with the good news of Jesus. We are passionate about students reaching students with the good news of Jesus. Well, you 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 probably might not write that one there. You're not particularly involved with students' work. I hope you actually feel something of it. But maybe God has laid some other particular group on your heart and you can actually say, yeah, I feel passionate. I feel passionate. Maybe we say passionate about about Turkish-speaking folks in northern Cyprus, about the youngsters at uh, an Alderbrook, about my work colleagues, about my cousins, about the people in my cul-de-sac, about the people I mix in the staff room with. I'm passionate about them hearing the gospel of Christ. We sang a hymn towards the end last week, Revive us, Lord, is zeal abating, is zeal abating, while harvest fields are vast and white. Revive us, Lord, the world is waiting. Equip thy church to spread the light. We also sang, O Father, who sustained them? O Spirit, who inspired? Saviour, whose love constrained them to toil with zeal untired? From cowardice defend us, from lethargy awake. Forth on thine errand send us to labour for thy sake. Perhaps the men and women's meetings that are coming up might help us in that zeal for the gospel. He's zealous for the gospel. It might not be quite so such an outburst of passion as it was in your twenties, but is it still solid and strong, pulsating and purposeful? So, five areas. I said quite a lot. Maybe you want to take um, one a day this week to pray home a bit more in your quiet times. Monday to Friday, God, godliness, God's people, good works, gospel, to pray it through. Seeking the Lord to, to sustain your zeal, increase your zeal. What's the spiritual temperature like in those areas? Is there any sizzle? Not meaning to clobber you this evening. Bash, bash, bash. I'm not seeking to do that. Seeking to bring God's word to challenge you and encourage you. And, and for you to realise just as a passing note... This all comes out of God's mercy. We started off with Romans 12, appealing for our service by the mercy of God. 
These are the outworkings of God's wonderful love, compassion, and mercy towards us. We're not being asked this evening to, to try and start um, a lava flow on the side of a mountain. The gospel is the magma, the molten rock. It's coming up. It deserves passion, the love of Christ for us, and it flows down and should flow down these channels. Well, maybe may we be stirred by the amazing gospel, the mercy of God, to be zealous for God, godliness, God's people, good works, and the gospel. Pick one of those five, I suggest, just to particularly pray over in, in the next minute or so before we sing our last song. Well, let's sing a last song which combines quite a number of these uh, zeals together. Restore, O Lord, the honour of your name in works of sovereign power. Come shake the earth again.
Lord, we thank you that by the work of your Spirit you have put desire in our hearts, that the Gospel has stirred us. We're sorry, Lord, where we have been dragging our feet in zeal, where our spiritual temperature has been low, where we've not been fervent in spirit. We do pray for your help. Lord, you know us, you know our situation, our circumstances. But within them, we pray that there will be a strong zeal for you, a strong zeal for godliness, a strong zeal for your people, a strong zeal for good works, and a strong zeal for the gospel. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.